From the creators of Circles of Faith, this is Slices of Life, where friends grow faith, enhance life, and build community together. I'm Kimberly Amici, and today I'm here with Elise Daly Parker and Kimberly Coyle. Before we had children, a lot of us had big ideas about how we'd parent and how great our children would turn out. We assumed if we did all the right things and prayed hard enough, our little angels would be obedient, and thus reflect just how wonderful and insightful we are as parents. Boy, were we wrong. In this episode, we're talking about how to have grace for ourselves and for our children when they disobey. But before we get started, let's do what we do every week and answer an in-your-words question. Ladies, I'd love to hear, what's something from your childhood that you have carried on with your kids? Well, I would, I would say for me, the biggest thing I, that I've carried on is just our faith tradition. Um, that's something very important to, you know, obviously, to all of us. Um, but we've carried that forward with our kids. But specifically related to our faith tradition, um, my, I remember when I was a teenager, especially my parents used to say, not not so much as a threat, but kind of as a, let me just tell you how it is sort of way. They would, they would tell me, you know, that they weren't the only ones looking out for me. Like the Lord, you know, knew what I was doing, knew my heart, knew when I was kind of getting out of bounds and that he would show them that. So they didn't necessarily need to have eyes in the back of their head because they have the Holy Spirit to show them and reveal things like when I was um, making bad choices or whatever. So um, I've, <laughs> I've carried that on with my kids and I always tell them that they think they can get away with things, but actually the Lord will show me those things, you know, whether I kind of stumble upon something which has happened I can't even tell you how many times that's happened where I've stumbled on things online or I've stumbled across something in their phone or hear a snippet of conversation. I've even heard other children who are not my own talking about things. Um, And I just feel like it's the Lord just kind of putting me in the right place at the right time where I overhear something about what's going on in a larger situation at my kid's school or at a party or whatever. And my kids, they just cannot fathom it. They cannot understand where I'm getting all of this information from. <laughs> I'm like, I told you, the Lord will show me. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. Um, one thing that my parents always did was get involved with the community. My parents, at one point, they volunteered for the local Little League. I think it started out with my dad being a coach and an imp- umpire. And then as my brother got old enough to actually play baseball, then they became more involved. And my dad ended up being, I think, the president of the league. And my mom became the vice president. Or they all, they'd held some sort of position, right, that was all volunteer for the community. And even at one point, my mom had kind of taken over the concession stand that was there. It was kind of a defunct little stand that sold like a few snacks and drinks. And by the time we were done with it, we had like a whole thing going on. Like we had brought in more food, more candy, chips. And it was like, we went, we showed up for every game. We set up the concession stand and I even got involved by lining the fields when they needed to be gotten ready for the games. And we just kind of volunteered and were a part of that little league as a family, just serving our community. And I've carried that on with my kids. And the funny thing is that it's not super intentional. It's just how I know to do things, right? So there's an entrepreneurship program at our, our secondary school. And 
it teaches children how to be entrepreneurs and it takes them through a number of classes and then it ends up in a workshop. And so I volunteered to run the program a few years back and since have brought my husband on board to be my marketplace coordinator. And my kids have taken the program. My son will be old enough to take it this year, but they, now that my oldest has aged out of it, she helped in one of the classes um, this past section. She helped um, my friend who was teaching. And then they're always there to set up and break down. And the joke is, you know, Treps is run by the Amici family mm-hmm. at school. So just being able to serve our community, but doing it together. Not just it being my thing or my husband's thing, but mm-hmm. as a family. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, that's nice. What about you, Elise? Well, I would say um, one of the things that I really appreciated about my father in particular was that he was a, a really good reconciler. I mean, we had some, you know, he was very strict um, and I could get in a lot of trouble for some of the things that I had done, but he came around to reconciliation, especially when I was becoming a teenager, um, when I think he was puzzled and maybe even a little afraid of how I was acting out and growing up. And um, there were a couple of big run-ins, but the run-ins were followed up by um, t- a night out with dad and really a- an opportunity to feel very special and um, connected instead of disconnected as we as we had through the whatever had happened. So I would like to hope that I have, I have certainly been out with my children one-on-one, um, and I love that, and I think that's a really great opportunity to get to know somebody, you know, outside of the context of the family. But also, um, I have tried to be a reconciler, not left those kinds of difficulties or, um, you know, headbutting, um, create silence, but actually ultimately create connection. So, I hope I've done that. I think I've done that, and... I will continue to try to do that. That's beautiful. It's not usually you hear of of moms doing that more than the dad. Oh, he was very special in that way. Really, really intentional about his connection with his daughters, which was a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. The things that we experience as children, we often pass down to our own children. And sometimes we don't even realize it because it just becomes a part of who we are and our very nature and the way we do things. And I think we've all realized now that we have our own children is that parenting can be hard. There are no rule books on how to parent our specific children. It's sometimes it's just trial and error. And it is doing a little bit of research and learning what we can about what works and what doesn't work for other families. It also comes from having good friends that can help us along the way that have been there ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And if you parent your children with grace, grace for them, grace from yourself, for yourself, you can't go wrong. So Kimberly Coyle wrote a post for the online magazine For Her, and it was, in, it was titled, Three Best Ways to Respond When Your Teen's Moral Compass Goes Haywire. So I have a funny feeling that Kimberly Coyle has a few things that she's learned about parenting and grace that would be really helpful to some of our listeners as they parent their children. I hope so, but I should probably preface it by saying I've, I don't read parenting books, <laughs> so <laughs> everything I learn is by trial and error and also by, you know, trying to figure out what are my friends doing and how are they succeeding with this, so, um, yeah, my, <laughs> my is, mine is totally based on my personal experience. Well, that's what we need. 
as everybody's sharing their personal experience so we can figure out, <laughs> you know, how, how we might help, you know, na- mm-hmm, navigate mm-hmm. these parenting years. Yeah. But don't you, like, isn't it just so tricky to talk about this stuff without being really specific about the mistakes our kids have made? Like I found writing this, mm. um, this article was hard because I know the details behind the situations and I, you know, I think that's what people want. They want to hear like, well, what did your kid do? And then what was your exact response? And I can't really share those things because right. that's right. private to my children. You know, it exposes them and not right. so much me. So um, I think, you know, it's good to come up with strategies, but it's, really, it, it's hard to not be really specific at the same mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the first thing, the first point that I made in that article was that we need to remember that it's not our fault that our kids have messed up. Mm. So not get into blaming or shaming ourselves, first of all, because if we're coming at it from a place of feeling shame, then we put that on our children and Mm -hmm. we blame and we shame them as well. So uh, I think just knowing, like, I think I I try to be really balanced. Actually, a friend of mine mentioned this. He's a pastor and he mentioned it from the pulpit. And he said, look, if I take responsibility for every good thing that my child does, then I also need to take responsibility for every bad thing that my child does. And honestly, we can't really own either one of those. Like, yeah, we are guiding them and we're hoping that they're going to end up doing the right thing and making the right choices, but they're developing a moral compass. And a lot of that is, you know, based on what's in themselves, what God is doing within them and, and what the world around them is doing. And, you know, we play a, a huge part in that, a huge role. But as they get older and older, our role lessens. And so, um, you know, just trusting that what we've put into them is going to eventually, hopefully, come out in the ways that, that we want to see it come out. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, when you start to put your value and your worth or you check off the achievement box for parenting based on how your children perform, when Boy. they don't perform, it. it's gonna, you're going to take a knock to your self-esteem or for how you, your confidence or how you feel about yourself. And that's really not the way, you know, it's intended to be. You're not supposed to be putting, well, we're not supposed to be putting our worth and our value on how our kids behave and whether or not we think they're doing what they should be doing and, or even how they're appearing to other people, because there's definitely a temptation to want to do that. Oh yeah. Sure. Especially in the church. Oh my gosh. We want our kids to look just perfect and, you know, in the church's eyes and show up and be that happy, perfect family. I mean, maybe Mm -hmm. some people don't care about that, but I think most of us, at least on some level, want to have our kids show up to church and, and look the part. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah. And, and I, that, that, you know, that we've created good little believers, which, you know, um, which is not, is not guaranteed in any way. Exactly. I am here to tell you. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I mean, you can do everything right or what you believe to be right and yeah. still have kids turn out wayward. I mean, yeah. that's just, that is the truth. That is life. And that is actually so freeing to me as a parent and as a believer, knowing that as long as I'm faithful to do what God has called me to do, I am not responsible for the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. He is. And I think it, um, one of the things I would say is a big part of doing the right thing by my kids certainly was prayer, you know, really praying for them and, um, trusting that God could go with them in ways that I couldn't. So that gave me some peace. You know, there was a time when my kids were really young that I would often, lose my temper. I would get frustrated. And 
I didn't want to be that parent. And what I realized and what I learned and what was able to start the change in my behavior was this idea that when I got mad and when I got angry at them and I lost my temper, it was almost always about me and not about them. Mm, So I was losing my temper because I couldn't control the situation or I was losing my temper because they weren't behaving the way I wanted them to behave and it was causing me to change maybe how the day went or change maybe what I had an expectation of what would happen or it would cause me to have to do something again or have to do something a different way and so every time I was losing my temper it was because I was thinking about me and it wasn't because I was thinking about Mm -hmm. them and so somehow no matter what I was doing with my children I was making it about me it wasn't their fault that they were messing up I mean they were like they were young. I mean, my, my kids are still young right. just because they are um, in middle school doesn't mean that they're not young. But when they were really young, I mean, I was like, this should be easier. But I don't know who told me that. <laughs> I don't know why I believed that. But I had to be patient with them and let them kind of figure out what it meant to be obedient, figure out what it meant to make good choices. And when I'm like, when they're really little, figure out what it means to clean up your room when I've asked you to, you know, like it's not about me. It's about guiding them and developing in them the ability to make choices and the ability to do what's right, not kind of have a checklist for them and then have it reflect upon me. I I think that's such a good point. Um, And it, it kind of ties into the, uh, you know, what is, what is the crux of our job? Um, I, I love something Kim, Kimberly, um, that you wrote in here as the parent, it's our job to keep our emotions in check, not our teenagers. Um, and I think Kim Amici, that's a little bit of what you were just kind of talking about. I, I really appreciate that. I personally had grown up in such an angry home that I too was, um, I would respond in anger to a lot of things. And of course, it was one of those things that I vowed I would never do. And there I found myself doing it. So um, I'm the one who uh, went to counseling (laughs) (laughs) and really got some help with my own emotions um, so that I could at least be a role model that um, that was something to aspire to and not something to hope you don't become (laughs) if that makes any sense but um wise to get help and get into counseling is just gosh your kids are lucky (laughs) you're really really lucky thank you i i hope i hope it benefits them um yeah like going back to what you said elise and kimberly what you wrote about it's our job to handle our emotions and have our emotions in checked not to handle our teenagers emotions um when we refuse to engage and lose our temper or get emotionally, you know, riled up and revved up in response to something that they've done. When we refuse to do that, we're not making the situation bigger. We're kind of keeping it small and remembering the focus is training them and teaching them and equipping them. And oftentimes, when we do try to control them with our emotions or try to express how deeply we feel about what they've done or the choice that they've made, it doesn't help them. It doesn't guide them. It doesn't walk them through the process of recognizing that they could have done or should have done something different. All it does is bring defensive walls up, right? Mm -hmm. And so putting space between 
sometimes the instance, what's been done, and then the, and then the follow-up, the talk about, like, here are the consequences, or um, this is how we feel about it, or this is why we've taught you this way. Sometimes putting distance between the two is really helpful because then we're not making the situation worse. We're letting them cool down and learn to deal with their own emotions about the situation. Yeah, that's good. I, I think we are... Um I know I am. Gu- I was guilty of definitely trying to control my children's emotions, and what I think part of what you're saying, Kimberly, is in that in that um, first section of your article, um, which is again, remember, it's not your fault they messed up. Um, there's that separation that we have to do. It's like, okay, this is not about me. Again, again looping back to the pride that's that's invested in our children. The best thing we can do, I think, one of the best things we really can do for our children is you, me, we are separate people, and when you have this behavior, child, it is not about me. And, and I think that comes in really handy, again, when um, when our children, when they start to separate, when they start to make decisions that are different from decisions we would have made or become little tweens. Um, you know, they that that is part of the process, and I did not like that process of them separating from me. I tried to do things that would pull them back in. I still do that. I have to admit, with my you know twenty one, twenty six, and twenty eight year olds, I still do that a little bit. Ooh, but at least I'm aware of it. I guess <laughs> that feeling the back start, in, right? Self awareness. Yeah. yeah, but um, I think that's a real. I think that's a, a something to be constantly aware of. This is not about me. This is about them and figuring things out for themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You said something really interesting at the beginning, Elise, where um, talking about not allowing them to have their emotion, whatever that may be. And this past week, I, I actually was confronted with that big time. One of my children um, said something really hurtful, just un- unbelievably hurtful to my husband and I. And... Um, it just cut so close to the bone. I, I just couldn't believe it. And my initial reaction was to lash out, to be angry, to punish, um, to do everything in my, use every weapon in my arsenal to make, to make this child feel horrible about what they did, what they said. Mm-hmm. And my husband, God bless him. He, I'm so grateful for him. He, he pulled me aside and he's like, look, this is how our child feels. Right. This is their emotion. Do we think it is correct? No, we do not. But we cannot punish a kid for feeling a certain way. Okay. It's not. It's not like they, you know, physically mm-hmm. assaulted us or something. Mm-hmm. It just we can't punish that. We can punish other behaviors around that, but we yeah. have to let our kid feel the way our kid feels. We will get to the heart of it. Like we'll discuss why that's not an appropriate feeling or words to say towards your parents, but we can't punish it. And in the end, that same child went out to a sleepover that night. And the whole time I, I, I'm telling you, I seethed all night long in bed. I Mm -hmm. seethed over it, Mm -hmm. but I thankfully bit my tongue. And a few days later, when I was finally able to actually speak about it with the kid, I I said, you know, this, this hurt me. And I, Mm -hmm. and you could see my child's face just crumble a bit and fall and recognize like that actually just being able to say that to my kid and having Mm -hmm. them acknowledge like what they said hurt me Mm. and not to be I I mean I wasn't trying to 
put shame on my child at all. I just was saying, you know, this hurts. This yeah. really hurts. Yeah. And left it at that. And I think that did more for our relationship than my initial desire to just rain yeah. fire on them. You know? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I think it's so taught true. So much more. So true. I, I again, awesome. yeah, that, that is a really, really awesome, um, objective, uh, story of how this whole thing works. I think, um, you know, we, I, I remember even learning this on the, um, marriage prep weekend that my husband and I did feelings are neither right nor wrong. They are feelings. And we really can't, when somebody says, I feel, we really can't argue with that. And so mm-hmm. I just, I just so agree with your husband. I don't always, you know, walk that out, but me either, believe me, <laughs> but it is the truth. And, 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 you know, thank God that he had the wherewithal to say that at that time, because mm-hmm. naturally we want to defend ourselves. Naturally we want it. revenge, really. Oh, yeah. For, yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. It's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's hard. This parenting stuff is hard. Oh, well, we, <laughs> similar to what your situation was, um, but different, I'm sure. Um, our kids were upset about something and complaining about something. And there was the initial reaction to say, well, you're just ungrateful. And if you only knew and done and on and on and on. And at one point I was like, now, wait a minute. Now, I'm sorry that, you know, how things played out today did not meet your expectation. And then I started to put myself in their shoes. Okay, they weren't prepared for us to spend all day in the car. And it just so happened that we, um, this, what we were doing took longer than we thought. And they don't have a book and there's no movies in the car. And we've been driving around with them all day. We haven't eaten like, okay, let's stop. And instead of reacting to them, because we're already annoyed at what we're doing, being annoyed at them and then putting it back on them, like you're ungrateful and you should be happy. And, 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 and there was, it was so hard not to do it, but you have to stop long enough to put yourself in their shoes and not react to their emotions. Right. And make choices based on you know, the situation and how you want to parent and how you want to walk them through that process and how you want to walk them through dealing with their emotions and how they're, how they express themselves. Right. So, you know, it's easy to go back later and be like, I know you're upset about that, but maybe there was a different way you could have expressed that. Or maybe you could have, you know, with my kids, we're, I want them to learn to share their feelings without it being a complaint. And I think that's possible for them to do. And so if we're too busy going back at them and challenging them with an angry voice and putting it back on them, we're not walking through we're not walking them through a better way to say what they said or a better way to express their uneasiness or their discontentment or or their, you know, boredom. Like how how can I walk them through it? They're not gonna listen to me. That is brilliant. I, that's so funny because I had the, a very similar situation yesterday with one of my, one of my other children who asked me, I mean, this is so stupid. It's so stupid, but it just shows you how easy it is to go completely off the, off the rails, like over nothing. Um, picked my kid up at school. They were hungry. They were tired. They asked me to take them to Dunkin' Donuts. And I said, no. I'm like, you know, we, we go often. I, I just don't feel like we need to do that today. We spend a lot of money at this place, you know, whatever. It was just a silly thing. And my child got really upset about it and got in a huff and started to say rude things and just be kind of a pain about it. And I, I ramped that thing up so fast. I was like, how dare you? Mm-hmm. How dare you say those things to me? You are just being a spoiled brat. And I mean, mm-hmm. terrible. Like, um, 
did my husband not just tell me two days ago to like <laughs> not speak to my children this way? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and thing is, you're absolutely right, Kimberly. She was probably just hungry and tired, and I hadn't <laughs> even acknowledged the fact that she'd been in school all day and had, you know, had volleyball afterwards, and and I'm calling her names like what in the world? You know, it's yeah. so childish, but. I really, um, it does come down, back down to that control thing, you know, yeah. like I want to control. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, don't you talk to me like that. Right. Don't you have a bad attitude? Cause I said, no, well, yeah. yes, right. I act like that all the time when people right. tell me no, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah it's so hard. Well, it's I feel so- like with me, sometimes it comes from the place of maybe not feeling enough. And then when I feel like I've worked all day and my kids have come home and now they're unhappy with the choices that I've made, now I'm just having one other person tell me I'm not enough and I haven't done enough to please them or I haven't done enough for them. And so that taps into that inside of me. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You know. And so instead of saying, or instead of me just expressing myself and saying, um, you know, I've been working hard really all day, you know, like I did this for you and I did this for you. And I feel like I just need a break right now. Like, I don't, I don't want to take you somewhere else. I don't want to, like, I don't need to do this for you. Like, you don't, you don't need this right now. Like, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's tough because it often taps into us wanting to get the points for them being perfect, acting perfect, responding, perfect, feeling perfect. And we just, it's, that's not the way it works. Just like us, right? Yeah. We feel all those things. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's so, it's so true. It's interesting because the, the child who said those terrible things to me that were so hurtful, um, the day before, maybe two days before sent me a frantic text from school. Mom, I forgot X, Y, Z, please bring it to school right away. And I, of course, went and grabbed those things, hopped in the car and drove it over to the school. And so that was, that was actually one of those first things I thought when they lashed out my husband and I and were so rude and hurtful. I thought, I cannot believe I just did this for you. Two days ago, I dropped everything that I was doing to drive your things over to school. And, and I wanted to say that. I mean, that was so inside of me, but it really does, like you said, can really tap into that. Am I not doing enough for you that you can't just be polite, you know, or am I not? Like, am I not enough, really, where, when my entire life is wrapped up in, in you and your needs? <laughs> That's what I wanted to say. Like, that is what I wanted to say. That yes. was my, yes. the deepest thing in my heart when my child was lashing out at me. Well, not, you know, not the Dunkin' Donuts situation. That was just possibly PMS. But yeah. One of the, um, my sister has six children, and I've watched her make some very wonderful decisions regarding all those little people who are now big people. But one of the things she said to me, um, I, I, you know, brought my people pleasing onto my children, but then expected gratitude. You know, I wanted them to be happy. I wanted to make them happy. I wanted to do nice things for them. And again, some of that was the reparenting thing. I wanted to be nicer and, and better than, than my mother had been, quite frankly. And, um, she, see, my, my sister said to me once, well, you know, you have to understand that kids will take as much as you give them and they'll always want more. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, wow, that is true. And of course, that's again, an opportunity for us to figure out, okay, what's my boundary? Where am I mm-hmm. drawing the line? Um, which actually, I don't know if you want to go into that next section that you talk about, which I really 
love Kimberly. Um, you talk about be there to catch them when they fall, even if you're beyond furious, which is a good <laughs> reminder. And I love what you say here. Let them push against the boundaries you've set. Let them prod for the weak places. Let them discover the flexibility, the push and pull, the safety of them. I love that because it acknowledges again, like this is normal behavior. In order to grow, in order to individuate, in order to separate appropriately, kids have to kind of go, okay, my parents have put this little net around me. Where can I push it? And, you know, and I think we as parents have to be mindful of safety ultimately. What is safe? What, you know, that's really, I mean, there's so many things that we want to do in terms of raising our children and, and so many ways we want to mold them. But I think especially with tweens and, and early teens, it's like, okay, they're going to do some things. Yeah. They have to. It's part of growing up. Mm-hmm. We need to be uh, cognizant of that and watch for, again, the danger areas. where And that's something you also mentioned, the reassurance that actually – we will catch you if you if you fall if you fail we will be there on the other side even if you make a really bad mistake i think that's grace as as you've said yeah we do try um i i think this is one tactic where we we have gone we've gone right with this where we have tried to make this our home and our family relationship the safest safest place for our kids like just I, I don't know if they could verbalize this right now, but I think deep down they know it's true that no matter what they do, it doesn't matter how bad it is or how much it goes against what we've taught them, that we will be here for them, that no matter what mistakes they make, we will be here to pick up the pieces. I actually had a friend ask me once, um, we were talking about teenage kids and, and having kind of the more in-depth talks about sex and our expectations around that and um, getting into the nitty-gritty with our older teens, like, you know, in terms of uh, what could happen. You could get pregnant. You could, you know, contract a disease. You could, any of these things. And I, I said, she said, so have you had the talk with your oldest that, you know, if she comes home pregnant, that you're not raising her baby? And I was like, Hang on, what? I I thought, what? It, okay, this is someone who doesn't have a teenage daughter, mm-hmm. but I can say, like, there's no chance in the world I would ever turn my back on my child if, no matter how difficult the situation is, you know. And and I don't know. I honestly don't know if I could have said that when my kids were little, but now that I I know what I know and I've been through what I've been through with my children as older teens, there's nothing, absolutely nothing I would not do to help them succeed and get where they need to be as a believer, first of all, mm-hmm. and as a, you know, as a human being, as a parent, as a, whatever they're going to become, like that is my job as it. And I, I, I'm sure that's not a super popular opinion, but I think that is the epitome of grace. Mm-hmm. Like if we're going to get nitty gritty and like be really specific about what we're going to do and not do, like mm-hmm. that to me is that is the grace I have been shown mm-hmm. by God. You know, this is why Jesus died on the cross for me because I am a total screw up. My kids are going to screw up, and mm-hmm. some of those might be life changing screw ups. And I need to be here for those just as much as I need to be here for this things that, you know, 
are smaller, the things that, where they say something hurtful. Like it, there's no scale, really. Yeah. Or there yeah. shouldn't be. There shouldn't be a, a sliding scale. Right, of, right. You know, what I'm going to have grace for and what I'm not. Mm. Yes. Mm. So I'm just good. hoping, and, you know, I mean, I'm very fl- blessed and fortunate that we don't have big things happening right now in our family. We don't have right. big challenges and big mistakes, but I can't rule it out. I don't know what the future holds. You know, so I think kind of knowing going in where kind of where you stand and how much Absolutely. you're willing to, to give and have grace for is, is helpful. Yeah. Well, grace yeah. isn't grace if they deserve it. There, We had one day where um, we had two of our kids, two different kids, two different games, two different sports. It was my one daughter. She had forgotten her lacrosse stick. And we were... I think we were at church. Like we'd gotten her a ride to the game and she forgot her stick. So we get a call that she didn't bring her stick. So my husband left church, went because we live really close, grabbed her stick, dropped at the game. Thankfully it was a home game and then came back to church. And so he was there before worship ended and it was fine. And then later in the afternoon, my other child forgot something for soccer. And my husband wasn't as willing to bring her what she needed. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. And it had everything to do with the fact that he had already extended grace to one daughter. Now he's got to do it again. And now, now instead of, instead of deciding I'm going to extend grace to this child, it became a, our children, you know, are not responsible. And I don't know where, you know, where we've gone wrong, but we tell them all this. And it's like, well, back, back up. Like you have to decide, are you extending the grace or are you not extending the grace? Like, it's okay to say, it's okay to say the first two times you don't bring something, forget something, that you forget something, I'll get it for you. And then after that, you need to learn this is your responsibility. But like set your boundaries ahead of time, not situationally, not depending on the when I feel like it. So today I feel like being nice to you and extending grace and tomorrow I don't. So there's a difference between setting boundaries and there's a difference between situational grace. And I think that's where a lot of us get into trouble in parenting is that we wait until we're in the situation and we make our choices based on how we feel. And so how we respond to the situation isn't from a place of, okay, this is where I want to get you with your responsibility, or this is where I want to get you with your manners. It's right now I feel like this, so this is your punishment, or this is how I'm willing to deal with it. And I think it's really great to have that intention. (laughs) But I can tell you, having all these older children, adults for children, um, I certainly have not done that uh, consistently enough. I think it's a wonderful um, way to approach parenting, but I certainly have failed in that area where my emotions, my mood, my hunger, my tiredness, my weariness has gotten in the way of being able to... um, to parent the way I want to, mm-hmm. full disclosure. Yeah. And it's a good thing to be aware of, even if you don't do it, going in, um, in the middle of it. You know, you can stop. I think that's really important. You can mm-hmm. stop in the middle of a tirade or um, or even the way you're responding to something that is just not really aligned with your overall desire to approach parenting a particular way. And I think that's really important to remember, too. That's mm-hmm. kind of like extending grace to ourselves and even being vulnerable enough to say, can we just back up and do that over again? Because yeah. that is that not, many times. not what, I, what I wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I got better at that as, as I moved on, got older, and um, 
and real and and got more vulnerable and realized, you know, mm-hmm. what am I holding on to being right? You know, when I'm so, wrong, <laughs> it's not worth it to lose our kids over being right. And I think that does mm-hmm. it. It happens in the church for sure. It yeah. happens in Christian yeah. families. Well, it was so probably than outside of you know Christianity. I think a lot of times we'd rather be right, and be able to like kind of thump our Bibles and be like. This is what you were supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to act. And, mm, yeah. yeah. It's interesting, though, too, um, because in, you know, in the, in the, within the culture that I live, I mean, I know a lot of wonderful Christian moms, and but there's still a lot of what, what we might call progressive ideas. So, for example, one of the things I'm thinking about is, um, so two of our daughters, um, one of them lived with a man for um, 10 years and then married him, and another daughter of mine uh, moved in with her boyfriend last December. Now, most of my friends think there's nothing wrong with that at this point, even strong, faithful people. Um, I had a problem with it. I had a problem with it 10 years ago or 12 years ago now, and I had a problem with it um, this past year. You know, I mean, again, it's like, that's not how I want my Christian children to live, <laughs> to, truth be told. But it was definitely one of those areas where um, we, instead of sort of shutting down the conversation, and it, it really stretched me, initially, especially 12 years ago, where my um, stepdaughter told me, you know, this is what we're going to be doing. And I responded actually in a, I wrote her a letter and I, my initial reaction was so defensive. And then as I wrote this letter, I, I just was able to get in touch with what I was thinking instead of uh, just arguing against what she was thinking. You know what I mean? Like come from a position of, oh, well, this is how I really feel. Not, this is why you shouldn't be doing this. The, the sort of I versus, versus me trying to say you, you, you. And then the same thing happened with my daughter, uh, this past December. And, um, I guess my point is, you know, on, on, on some level, um, I have, I, I do still feel that I don't think mar- living with somebody before the, before you get married is the answer to a good marriage, which a lot of people believe. I, I haven't seen any evidence of that at all, quite frankly, but um, I mean, in general and across the board, but um, it is something that people are doing. It's still something I don't want my daughters to do. However, when they made the decision, um, we approached it as adults and not as I am your mother and you're doing the wrong thing. And I think it, it just built understanding and broadened our relationship, if you will. You know, so I think those hard things can be opportunities to, um, to come together, even if you don't agree. So a little opportunity for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise it just drives a wedge in the relationship, right? It kind of just causes alienation and, we don't want yeah. that. Right? And what am I going to do? Not talk to my daughter anymore? I know. Because exactly. she's living with her boyfriend? No. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I just think that's so good, that idea of expectations. They'll take what you give them. They'll test the boundaries. They've got to make their own choices. If you have an expectation that they're going to be perfect, that they're going to do everything you've told them to do, that they're going to be the perfect child because you take them to church and you they go to youth group, you're going to be disappointed. And I yeah. think that changing that expectation, I mean, that's different than believing the best in them, but changing their expect your expectation that your child as a child will choose to make choices that you would not make, but you're going to love them regardless, mm-hmm. that puts you in a place to respond to them with grace. But the other way around, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to do that. One last 
sort of approach that my husband and I have taken very recently as we've gotten deeper into teen years and sort of, you know, bigger challenges, bigger kids, bigger challenges, right? Um, right. So rather than kind of getting um, constantly coming back at them with about their behaviors or something that they're doing that we don't like or constantly trying to think of ways to punish them for whatever it is they've done, um, I mean, we're still parenting. Believe me, we're still parenting. But my husband was like, you know what? I, just like you said, Elise, we need to be praying for our kids more. Be mm-hmm. very, very intentional about praying for our kids. Mm-hmm. I pray for my kids, but I'm not nearly as intentional as I should be. And he asked two of our best friends, um, uh, two families that we have pretty much parented alongside for the past 10 years. Um, and he asked them to come alongside us and to come together every other week and we're mm-hmm. going to pray for our kids very, very specifically. Like we're going to bring our issues and bring things that they're going through and we're going to take it before the Lord and we are parenting together. So now we need to be praying together. Mm-hmm. And it, um, we've had some resistance from our kids. Like what you're doing, what we don't need, you know, cause we're doing it in our home so they can see us and. <laughs> we do try to remove them from hearing exactly what we're praying about, but um, but our kids are like, what the heck, you know? And and even we've had resistance, like in our own. We've had some tension, we've had some fighting in our family, you know. We've kind of been, not had as much peace, and I really feel like that's kind of like a spiritual um, resistance that we're up against because I both of us know that we're moving in the right direction. Like mm. this is exactly what we need to yeah. be doing for kids yeah. and we push that. through that resistance mm-hmm. and, and pray for our kids. So this is, that's one of the really super intentional things that we've done lately, which is, is not common for us. We're not super intentional people. So, um, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I, I do trust that those things that, that those prayers are going to pay off so much more than any lecture I will ever give. Yeah. I agree. Absolutely. And your kids will look back on knowing that you're praying for them years from now and say, I am where I am because my parents did that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, you know, it's always an opportunity to mention Moms in Prayer, which we've talked more about on another um, episode. And I truly have raised, not with, I have prayed with my husband as well. And I love that intentionality, Kimberly. Um, and I've been very intentional for 23 years praying for my, my children in moms and prayer groups. And with that, I feel like I've had a community of other moms who really know my children intimately. I mean, probably more inti- intimately than my children might want them to, but <laughs> it's confidential. So it is absolutely a sacred space mm-hmm. where we can come with our burdens and, um, and and lay them out before the Lord together. And that has been one of the greatest um reliefs for me in in raising my children. My husband and I do pray together for our kids as well. Sometimes we go through periods of, um, you know, praying pretty much every day. Sometimes we don't. But I will tell you, when I start to get anxious about my children, that is absolutely the peace that surpasses understanding when Chris and I come together and pray for our kids. So I love that you're doing that, Kimberly. I think that is beautiful and yeah. Anybody else wants to do that as a couple? Let me know. <laughs> Love <laughs> that it. Awesome. And the third point that you mentioned in that post was punish them, but be empathetic. Yeah, I am still a fan of consequences. So um, I know, you know, sometimes when we talk a lot about grace, um, 
it often people often think, oh, well, you're just, you know, you're not putting any consequences on your kids. Like, I'm still a fan of them, um, I, but I think oftentimes the consequences are actually a lot more natural than than um, something I can come up with. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's, you know, more about stepping back and letting them experience the consequence of that action that they've taken, you know, like having, you know, a, a difficult friendship. If they're going to be mean to someone, then there are going to be natural consequences to that. And I don't necessarily need to step in and punish them those behaviors, depending on what it is. Um, but I mean, it, it could be anything, but you know, I, I think coming at it instead of from a place of anger, um, you know, just having empathy for our kids, knowing that, Hey, I've been there too, which you know, is keeping that in the back of my mind has been really helpful. Like I, I remember this age. I remember these feelings. I remember wanting to say hurtful things to my parents, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, placing those boundaries around them is healthy, but also doing that with yeah. out of a sense of empathy rather than um, anger. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can demonize our kids, you know, when they start to act, uh, act out against us and maybe say things that, we can't even believe they're saying or are really hurtful. We have to be careful not to say, this is outrageous. How could anybody, you know, how could anybody utter these words, whatever, um, have an overreaction to really what is unfortunately or fortunately or whatever, natural behavior. Mm -hmm. And again, there's definitely boundaries, but I remember my beloved counselor helping me with this too, especially again with my first child. Um, We were so close and had such a great relationship. When she was separating, I was truly, truly brokenhearted. I just did not know how to deal with it. I felt, and I'm very rejection sensitive, something I have to own, but um, it was really hard on me. And she did it a little later than a lot of my friends had done it. A lot of my friends' children had done it. So I kind of was thinking, maybe we won't go through this. And when we did, oh, I, I struggled. And so thankfully, I, I was able to talk to Suzanne, my counselor, and um, she really taught me about empathy. And she would say, you know, when they are going through these difficult times and angry and p- pushing you away and hurtful, come alongside them. And it was like, how? How do you do that with somebody who is pushing you away? And I think it's exactly what you said, Kimberly. You, you kind of, you remember that you were there and you remember what that's like, that was like, and especially, oh my gosh, middle school? Who doesn't have disaster memories of middle school, you know, yes. that, that you're in, you're out, you're all about. Um, date, you've got all kinds of peer pressure. You're deciding so many different things about where, what direction you're heading in in your own little way. So it really, that really helped me. And I literally would sit on the edge of my daughter's bed and, and think, how can I join her in this instead of fight her on this? And um, oh my gosh, it was like magic. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it didn't happen all the time, but when it did happen, it was, um, it was again, a relationship builder instead of a relationship destroyer. So really important. Well, one of the things I experienced with one of my children <clears throat> is that sometimes the disobedience is coming from a place of hurt for something that's happened during the day or something that 
did or did not pan out for my child. There's been times when he's come home from school and it seems okay. And then he just gets out and out rebellious, like doesn't want to do what I ask him to do. And, and there's a tendency to quick jump in and punish him and say, how dare you? And what do you think this is? And who do you think I am? And, you know, because of the experience I've had with inner healing and really trying to address some root issues that I've had in my life that have produced fruit that I'm not happy with, I'm able to say, hey, buddy, let's sit down and talk. Like, yeah. what what's going on? And then he'll, he'll tell me why he doesn't want to do what I asked him to do. But then the more we talk, the more I get to what's underneath that. It's probably mm-hmm. something that's happened on the playground. It's probably something that happened in school. It's probably the way he feels about himself because of a test he took or a comment that the teacher said and he took it the wrong way. And so when we start to get to the very base of what he's dealing with, nine times out of ten, he kind of mm-hmm. backs himself out of what he, he's done. Sometimes there are immediate you know, consequences and discipline for something that he has done, but the discernment to be able to say, okay, let's slow down. Where is this coming from? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's That's where the empathy comes in for me to understand that you've probably had a really rough day. Yeah. To understand our kids and realize sometimes, oh my gosh, they're acting exactly as they should be acting at this age. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're dealing, these are the things they're dealing with. I think that's so important. We really do forget. And we got to just go back sometimes and realize. And I love, you know, that little acronym HALT, hangry, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Um, I remember years ago learning that, and they were doing a program throughout the schools on that. And, you know, s- smelling the pizza, like opening a box of pizza and smelling it to slow yourself down, like just very good things for kids to understand. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a good one to you know, when your child is acting out, coming home from a hard day, and again, that's the Dunkin' Donuts example, mm-hmm. Kimberly, and it's the whatever your son is dealing with, Kim, coming home, is are, are they hungry? Are they angry? Are they lonely? Are they tired? Let's get in touch with what's happening and then see if we can resolve the problem. But those things sort of have to be checked off first because, you know, they make us behave in ways, all of us. Yeah, still. No, good. I still behave according good. to that. Hangry yes. is, yes, they would have my face in the dictionary next to the word hangry. Cause, yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> good question to ask ourselves as well, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, certainly when we were driving around this weekend for how it seemed like hours on end, as soon as we fed the kids, that next hour and a half, mm-hmm. it was fine. No, better, isn't that I fun? mean, it was so much better. And Just you forget thing. these simple, simple things. Yeah, look at where, what kind of circumstances we're creating. Uh And, you know, because the outcomes might actually be our own fault Uh (laughs) in some ways. Yes. All right, ladies. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about parenting, Elise. And then Kimberly, why don't you tell us where we can find you at online? Well, you can find me at EliseDailyParker.com and my tag um, on Instagram and also on Twitter is EliseDailyParker. And my um, Facebook page is EliseDailyParkerWriter.com editor coach and you can find me at kimberlyannecoyle.com my facebook is kimberly coyle twitter kimberly a coyle and instagram is ka coyle and you can find me at kimberlyamici.com and i'm on twitter and instagram as kimberly amici and facebook as living in the sweet spot you can also find the show on instagram and twitter as circles of faith 
You can sign up for our newsletter on circlesoffaith.org so that you get the show notes, bonus episodes, additional content delivered right to your inbox. We're also on Facebook at Circles of Faith as well. We'd love for you to subscribe to us in iTunes and Stitcher and write a review if you get a chance. It helps others find us. And don't forget to share us with a friend. Thanks for listening.